mile flood warnings are in effect this morning for areas along nearly the entire Mississippi River as heavy rain continues to hit the Mississippi Valley. Jerica Duncan is in Davenport, Iowa, where a temporary levee failed, sending a wall of water into downtown streets. Jerica, good morning. A small Missouri town has a very big problem tonight. The levee broke in Levesey, Missouri, and the rushing water took over. KCTV5's Caroline Sweeney talked with people waiting to go home. Well, a levee failure on the Mississippi River has caused a flash flood warning to be put into place for central St. Charles County in Missouri. Get a look here at this video. This is the incident that we're talking about. You can see here the Elm Point levee in St. Charles, Missouri has been breached and water is just rushing right through it. Emergency officials are going door to door asking people to evacuate after a levee along the Arkansas River breached yesterday. Here you can see the washing, uh, the water rushing through the site of the breach in Dardanelle. There are flash flood warnings across the western side of the state right now. It's just the latest blow after a week-long stretch of severe weather. NBC's Gabe Gutierrez joins me now at the site of that levee breach. Gabe. Those clips are all from 2019, and they show how some levees aren't perfect, especially in the event of a severe flood. The fact is, we've spent decades building up flood infrastructure along the Mississippi, creating a false sense of security and a restricted river. <laughs> so it's kind of a history of things, so... That's Jonathan Remo, an associate professor in the Department of Geography and Environmental Resources at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. Back you know, back in the late 19th century into the turn of the 20th and at least through the mid to later half of the 20th century, uh, there's been a kind of an engineering paradigm where we could control nature. And probably um, we started realizing that we couldn't control nature, you know, nature in this case being rivers and their floodplains and flooding um, through engineering means, right? So, you know, the goal was to make the Mississippi navigable and then protect the agricultural lands uh, uh, from flooding. 167 years ago, an Army Corps engineer warned his superiors of the pitfalls of levees along the Mississippi River. Quote, Water is becoming more and more confined to the immediate channel of the river, and is therefore compelled to rise higher and flow faster. Scientists and engineers have noticed this fact today. Some of our greatest floods have come within the last few decades. 1973, 1993, 2008, and even 2019, the water on the Mississippi has crested to close to levels we saw 26 years ago. After these events, we've simply decided to build more vulnerable flood infrastructure. But in a changing world, we may need to come up with other solutions. The fourth National Climate Assessment acknowledges that flooding will only get worse in the Midwest. Climate change will increase the amount of precipitation and the likelihood of heavy rain events. But we don't need to wait to see these changes already happening. According to the Army Corps of Engineers, 2019 is the first time in recorded history that the entire Mississippi River Basin reached flood stage. So what should our response to this crisis be? Instead of repairing breached or overtop levees over and over again, or building them higher, how can we alleviate some of the risk posed to people and the environment along the Mississippi River? One answer is levee setbacks.
Let's review what a levy is in the first place. And levies can be in the form of uh, like uh, an earthen berm that are designed to a certain standard, or they could be even a, a concrete flood wall. And generally, those are placed uh, somewhere uh, between the uh, the river bank and uh, um, uh, back away from the bank a little bit, just depending on what the uh, the typical flows are in the river. That's Randall Bame, a retired floodplain manager with the United States Army Corps of Engineers. He's worked on implementing levee setbacks in several cases along the Missouri River. The projects followed a devastating flood in 2011, where multiple levees were breached and thousands of acres of land were inundated with water. A similar project happened on a bigger scale in the Netherlands. In the mid-1990s, Dutch rivers flooded in dramatic fashion. For Dutch water engineers, it was an epiphany. Maybe the strategy which we followed for many centuries to heighten dikes, maybe it's not always the most wise strategy. The Dutch government launched a program called Room for the River. They identified 30 of the most flood-prone locations in the country and asked property owners to leave so they could move the dikes inland. Now, when floodwaters come, they flow onto empty land without inundating homes and businesses. That name, Room for the River, is a perfect representation of what the solution could be. To get a better idea of the possibilities, I spoke with Randy, who you heard from before, as well as Chuck Thiling. <laughs> I've had fish since I was five years old, and I've been a bit interested in aquatic systems for a long time. He's a research ecologist who also works for the Army Corps of Engineers. He gave a great analogy of what setting back a levee could look like. How do you change a fixed system, an a constructed system that's already there? How do you work to change that? And one of the mechanisms we found is levy setbacks. And the levy setback is what I've come to think of like an, adding an extra lane to a highway. You would be moving the levy back away from the bank of the river into the middle of the farm field or the city, probably a farm field unlikely to do it in a city, um, to get the water more room to spread out. When the river is less constricted, there's more room for it to flow and flood into its adjacent floodplain. It reduces the risk to people up and down the river. As Randy points out, it's important to take a systematic approach to setting back levees along any river. Let's don't throw a hand grenade at the problem and say set back all levees because all levees are bad. That's not the case. Uh, levees are good. They, they've been designed to have very high standards. Let's go in and take a detailed approach looking at uh, each levee system individually and, and look at what we can do. It's evident that we have to be strategic when considering the best places to set back levees. The benefits go beyond flood reduction, though. The Army Corps released a document detailing those benefits, one that Chuck Thiling was a part of. It discusses better flood risk management and more room for the river to move into its adjacent floodplain. But with more room for a river comes additional benefits for the health of the water and the habitat that surrounds it. Here's a quote from the document. There are direct ecological benefits like improved animal migrations and nutrient and sediment transportation. And Randy discussed the same thing with me. So if, if you go back to uh, the 1940s and, and forward uh, to the uh, placement of these levees, you know, we, we cut off uh, a lot of uh, habitat and so forth. So 
if, if there is a benefit to the environment, we're reconnecting uh, the original historic floodplain and that habitat that was associated with that uh, by some of these levee setbacks, which means, um, you know, we, we can see uh, maybe the establishment of uh, uh, flora and fauna that we haven't seen in this region in a long time. Floodplains are essential to the health of surrounding habitat for many species in Illinois. But by the 1980s, the state had lost 85% of its wetlands. Restoring them and reconnecting a river with its surrounding land can bring back that vital habitat. With the idea of changes to levees that have been in place for decades, there will always be challenges to implementation. And that official document from the Army Corps points that out too. For one, a levy setback project doesn't always meet the Corps' strict requirement of a large benefit-to-cost ratio. It's costly to reconstruct a levy further back from where it was originally, and the repair-in-place method, where the Corps simply comes in and fixes the breach, is typically less costly. But these factors could be mitigated by the idea that levy setbacks for vulnerable and often damaged levies will save money in the long run. The resiliency of a levy set back further from the bank of the river means it will be degraded by less water, and the Corps won't have to come in to repeatedly repair it. Like I said before, changing the way we manage flooding and our rivers after decades of the same strategies will always come with challenges. But people along our rivers could be the driving force for change. I was at a meeting in uh, Des Moines uh, with a uh, work group uh, that was established by state agencies out of uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and a landowner came uh, busting into the, that meeting, and he was from southwest Iowa, and he said uh, his family had been farming land there for over 100 years, uh, starting with his grandfather, then his father, him, and then he has a, a son that's farming it now. And he says every time there was these massive flood events, it, it just destroyed all their product productivity as farmers uh, for years. And, and this is a, a very fertile land that we're talking about uh, over here in Southwest Iowa. But um, he asked, he says, why can't we consider something different? He says, have you guys, <laughs> you engineers, have you ever considered uh, doing something different with these levees, maybe moving them back from the river? Where levees repeatedly fail, people and their livelihoods are altered. They grow tired of the constant battles, and it's people like the farmer Randy mentioned who could be a voice for how we live with our rivers instead of fighting against them. I asked Chuck what he thinks needs to be done in order to make levy setbacks more viable and to really change how we interact with rivers. What happens is we lose the incentive to think about these things when it's happening until it happens again. So the policies need to be changed now while it's all fresh on people's mind. And we need to step away from the all-or-none approach where it's all a flood district or it's all a wildlife refuge or it's all, you know, one thing or another. We have to allow wildlife refuges to flood and we have to allow uh, farm fields to protect cities occasionally. And we can put more nature into the farm fields depending on how we do this. So it's problem identification and awareness. Every time we've come to the disaster, it's been respond to um, PL 8499, which 
says, rebuild it as it was. That's by far the thing that needs to be changed, is allow people to rebuild levees with emergency funds in a different design, if that makes sense. Not always putting it back to the status quo is the right answer. The Upper Mississippi River is in dire need of a comprehensive study, one that shows the most vulnerable places during a flood, one that helps us adapt to this new normal. Due to climate change, the river could flood like this for years to come, so it's more important than ever to consider innovative ways to protect people and the environment along the Mississippi. You engineers, have you ever considered uh, doing something different with these levees? I've been your host, Ryan Grasso, with Prairie Rivers Network. We protect water, heal land, and inspire change. To learn more about the work we do or become a member, visit prairierivers.org. And be sure to listen to our other episode, telling the stories of people affected by unauthorized levees along the Mississippi River. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Levee keeps on raining, going to break. keeps on raining. Heaven's going to break And the water gonna come And I have no place to stay